Uh, we get to wrap up the series uh, that we kicked off several weeks ago, Don't Go to Church. Uh, we've walked through this. Week one, we talked about the church redefined. And what was the word for church? Ecclesia. And the word ecclesia didn't mean a building. It doesn't mean a location. What is it? It is a movement of people called for a purpose, right? Week two, we talked about uh, the church's command. What is the church's command? To love one another. We are not going to be known because we know the Bible well. We're not going to be known uh, because we have all these great programs. We will be known by our love for one another. Us in this room, our passionate, just complete, extravagant love for one another. All right? And then last week, uh, we talked about the church functioning. Right, that every single one of us has a part. We said that the church without you is incomplete. If we aren't doing what we're called to do, then we as a church aren't operating like we're supposed to. So many of you took steps to volunteer and just know that you're going to be reached out to over this next week uh, about some of those opportunities to get involved, that you would be a part of what God's doing here. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about something different. We're going to talk about the church on mission. The church on mission. I think it's going to be good. How many of you remember when Kodak was king? You remember Kodak? Okay, Kodak was, it, right? Kodak was just the stuff, right? It was like, this was before digital cameras, before smartphones. This is when a camera did one thing, right? Remember that? What did it do? Took a picture. That's it, okay? Nothing else, right? That, that was what it was, and, and Kodak was, was king. And it, when something really meaningful happened in life, it's called a Kodak Exactly. Everybody had Kodak moment. We still use the phrase. Nobody uses Kodak anymore, but we use the phrase. You know, Kodak wasn't just any company. For, for a century, they dominated all of this film. They dominated. Like, they were the kings. Everybody used Kodak in some way. If you wanted to tell a story, you're going to use Kodak to do it. That was how the process was. They were the king. By the late 90s, Kodak, uh, you know, they were trading at $98 a share. And they were, they were the stuff, but things weren't going as well as they wanted to lead on because they were ignoring the fact that the world was changing and they weren't, all right? And so uh, back in 1975, Kodak actually invented the very first digital camera. Here's a picture of the first digital camera. It weighed eight pounds, had a cassette tape on the side. I don't know what this thing is, like a boom box or something, but... It worked, you know, it was this, this, this thing, whatever, and they, they invented, 1975, they invented this thing, but they didn't really do anything with it. They didn't pursue this technology, they didn't leverage this technology all that much, and so the end result is that the 90s came, and about the mid-90s, digital cameras started to become a big deal, right? Then you get to the mid-2000s, and what takes over? The smartphones. Nobody even owns a camera anymore. Everybody just pulls their smartphone out, right? The world had completely changed to the point where Kodak was completely left in the dust. And today, it's, it's a longer story than this, but today Kodak is just a shell of what it once was. And it trades at $2 a share, not $98 a share. Kodak doesn't do quite as well as it once did. But why am I telling you this story? Because what happened to Kodak can happen to us as individuals. But it also can happen to us as a church. What is it that happened? Kodak made a really simple mistake. It's an incredibly simple mistake, but it's incredibly important. They had mistaken their strategy for the mission. They had something that was just meant to be a strategy. They suddenly had made that the mission. You see, the, the mission of their organization, it really should have been to, to help people tell their stories. That's what they did. They helped people tell their stories. But unfortunately, the way they helped tell stories 
became what was most important. See, film became their strategy. How they helped people tell the story was far more important than what it is they were actually called to do. You see, this is a problem that you and I face. That we can get in the same situation where we can make how more important than what. See, this happens in our personal lives. Think about your personal faith, your personal faith with Jesus. Sometimes we think, oh man, what should I, I gotta, I gotta get back to reading my Bible. I gotta get back to reading my Bible, reading my Bible, reading my Bible. And we make the important thing, we think it's all about reading the Bible. I am all for reading your Bible, but reading your Bible is a means to an end. It isn't the end. What's the ultimate goal? It's to build our relationship with God. One of the ways that we do that is through our Bible. But see, it becomes a checkbox item you know, it's just like, yep, checked it. I read my Bible. I read my Bible. No, no, that wasn't the goal. That was a means to another end, right? Suddenly, the, the strategy becomes the mission. The same thing can happen with our kids. Like, we, we say, what, I want to lead my kids to follow Jesus. But unfortunately, we just think, I just got to get them to church. Just get them to church. Get them to church. Get them to church. Get them to church. doesn't really matter what I do all week long at home with them. It just matters. I just got to get them to church. No, that's a strategy. That's a means to an end. That isn't the end. The the goal is I want to I lead my kids to Jesus. That's what I want. So this happens in our individual lives, and I think, I think we can see that where, where we make the strategy, the mission, but this, this happens in the church all the time. Where we get really concerned about how we do things and totally forget about what we were supposed to do in the first place. And I think for me, as, as a leader within the church, this is, this is the thing that can frustrate me more than anything else because God has called us. He has a very clear what that he has given us. Very clear what. But we get so wrapped up and we can fall in love with the how and totally get off track. And so here's my prayer for us all this morning. My prayer is that God would show where maybe we've gotten off track a little bit and that all of us would surrender the hows and take on the what God has asked for us, Okay. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse number 16. Uh, just a reminder, this is the last week of this series. Next week, we kick off a new series called The Jesus Way. We're going to work through Mark chapters 1 through 8 this summer. I'm really excited about this. So make sure you bring your Bibles with you next week. Uh, we're going to be walking section by section through the book of Mark together, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text this morning? Again, nothing sacred about uh, standing. It's just what we do to honor God's word together, okay? Verse number 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us today, God. So God, I pray that you would stir up something in us, Father, that we would lay down the stuff that doesn't matter, and we would take hold of the things that do matter today. God, burn it into our hearts, I pray. God, I pray that you would speak clearer. God, speak far beyond my ability to communicate this morning. pray that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. All right, if you've been around the church any time, you've heard this before. What is this called? The Great Commission. This is called the Great Commission. And uh, this is at the end of, 
Matthew, let me give you some little context. In the book of Matthew, Jesus comes to earth, does all this cool stuff. He goes to a cross. He dies. On the third day, he is raised again. He gets to spend time with his disciples. He's about to ascend back to heaven. But before he does that, he's got some stuff to talk about with his people, okay? And when you're in that moment, when you're about to leave, what you say matters, right? Right before I leave the home, I talk to my kids, listen to the babysitter, okay? Do what they tell you. I tell them the important stuff. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, guys, I'm about to go. Here's something important you need to remember. And so he comes to them and he gives them this mission. He says, listen, you are going to go and make disciples this call. I'm telling you what you should do. I'm telling you, I'm clear about it. You see, this wasn't a new thing. It wasn't like, oh, the disciples are like, whoa, God, I've never heard this. This is totally different than anything you've said. This is the natural conclusion of what Jesus' life was like. Because when you watch Jesus, Jesus was consistently going. He was consistently calling people. He was consistently going to the outsider, finding the person who was far from God and trying to lead them to him. That was what Jesus was all about, okay? Uh, One of my favorite Bible stories growing up was Zacchaeus. How many know the story of Zacchaeus? If you grew up in church, you know the song, Zacchaeus, sing with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was, what's the next line? He climbed up the sycamore tree. Nailed it. You guys are awesome. Okay, if you didn't, if you didn't go to Sunday school, you missed out. You missed out on the, the greatest technical, technological advance of the last century, the flannel graph. Exactly. <laughs> The flan, you know what I'm talking about. Those are awesome. I'm going to start using that to teach with on Sundays. That'll be great. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. doesn't matter. Okay. But the story of Zacchaeus. Okay. The story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? That's why I love the story because I always resonated with Zacchaeus. Okay. So, but I, I, uh, I the story of Zacchaeus was a, a Tax collector, but he was one of the head tax collectors, okay? And what are tax collectors? They would always talk about tax collectors and sinners, right? They were the people on the outside. They were so bad that they wouldn't even get lumped in with the sinners, okay? Here's what a tax collector was. A tax collector was a Jew who had sold themselves off to the Romans, and they were basically backstabbing their own Jews and taking money from them. They hated the tax collectors, all right? But Zacchaeus, he comes and he sees a crowd, and Jesus is teaching, and he wants to hear what Jesus has to say. So he climbs up in a sycamore tree, right, gets on the tree, and he listens to Jesus, and something's resonating in his heart. Something's overwhelming him. And Jesus says, you know what, Zacchaeus, I want to I go with you to your house. I'm going to go into, with all the sinners and the tax collectors, that's where I want to go hang out. And everybody's like, whoa, Jesus, no, you shouldn't, don't go with that guy. That guy does not deserve you to be around him, okay? You do, just do not go there. But Jesus goes. He hangs out with these guys, which is a lesson in and of itself, and we're going to talk about that some this summer. He's like, he goes and hangs out with the people. Nobody else says that you should. The religious type said, don't hang out with that guy. He went and hung out with them. But I think what's cool is when they, when they call him out, they say, Jesus, why are you hanging out with him? He says, listen, it isn't the healthy people that need a doctor. It's the sick people. And then we get to Luke 19, verse 10, and it says this says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is saying, this is why I came. This is what I'm all about. I'm all about seeking and saving the lost. You say, what's your mission, Jesus? This is my mission. This is why I came to this world, to lay myself down, that I could reach those who are far from me. 
And I think this is, this is the cool part about what the gospel says because the gospel doesn't say, man, just drum up something for yourself and go after God. Go after God. See, that's a religious system. That's what we call religion. Religion is man's attempt to try and get to God somehow. Let's see if I can do all the right things and like, do you like me now, God? Is that good enough? That's not good news to us because we all know we're not good enough. There's no amount of us trying that is going to get us to God. The gospel says this, there is a God in heaven that is coming after you. He's not leaving you to your own devices. He's not saying, hey, figure this one out, and if you can clean yourself up, then you'll get to come to me. No, he's saying, you can't figure this out on your own, and guess what? I'm going to come after you instead. I'm going to come lay my life. And that's why Jesus came to this world. He came to pay a penalty that we couldn't pay. He gave his very life so that we could have salvation, so that we could have a new life, that 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 ransom that we needed paid, he'd pay it for us to give us freedom. That's what the gospel says. And so Jesus said, this is, this is what I'm about. I'm about seeking and saving the lost. That's, that's what I care about. That's what matters to me. And, and the passion that he has is so crazy. Because you think about the story of the lost sheep. Remember the story of the lost sheep? The story of the lost sheep. Jesus tells this parable. He says, hey, there's a shepherd. He's got 100 sheep. He's got 100 sheep. One of them goes off, does his own thing. So he's got 99 sheep. Now, if you don't know this, sheep are dumb, okay? There's a reason we need shepherds. is because sheep are dumb. And it's kind of offensive because Jesus always calls us sheep. So I think he gets it, right? So, so they're dumb, and they just wander, and they go do their own thing. So when, when the shepherd sees the one going off, a smart shepherd would probably just say, ah, I'm going to cut my losses here. Let's hang out with the 99 here. Just make sure I don't lose any more. Hey, you stupid sheep, don't go anywhere, okay? Like that's what he would be. But what does Jesus say? That's not what the good shepherd does. What's he do? He goes, taken after the one. That doesn't make sense. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. You see, that's what our father is like. Our father is willing to do the crazy thing because he cares about you that much. And you might have come in this morning and you said, I don't know that God cares. He doesn't really give a rip about what's going on in my life. You are wrong. Your God cares about you more than you can imagine, more than you can even believe that whatever you're facing, he cares that he wants to come after you. He has come to seek and save that which was lost. And the shepherd goes after that one and he says, I will do whatever I have to do to get to that one. That's what God's heart is. And so when we say his heart is to seek and save the lost, it is not just a, ah, seek you, oh, let's see if I can. No, he is going after passionately with everything inside of him. That's the mission that Jesus had. And so when Jesus says, hey, I've got a great commission for your life, it's with that same heart that he's calling us. Say that we would have a passion for that person who doesn't know Christ. That person on the outside that's looking in, that's saying, I don't think there's a God out here that loves me. He's saying, that's what I'm calling you to. So we get to this passage, and, and what do we say? It says, Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Stop there for a second. He's saying, basically, I got it all. I, I've been given all the authority. I can say anything. I can do anything I want to. And what does he say? Therefore... Therefore, since I can tell you what to do because I've got all the power and the authority, here's what I'm asking you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What did Jesus bring them? He brought them a what? He brought them a what? I find it very interesting what what Jesus does say and what he doesn't say. He gives them a what? He says, this is what I am telling you to do. 
I'm asking you to do this. I'm commanding you to do this. I'm sending you out to do this. This is it. There's so, such clarity about what I want you to do. But he didn't give them a how. There is no how in there. This isn't a, a great plan. This isn't a great strategy. This isn't some great program. This is a great commission. <laughs> he says, I'm telling you what to do. I am not telling you how to do it. And I think, honestly, for us as followers of Christ, this should be the most freeing thing that we have. Because if, if Jesus had given us some great strategy, guess what? That was 2,000 years ago. Has our world changed in 2,000 years? Yep. A little bit. It's changed in the last five minutes, okay? Like, we live in a world that is continually changing. And, and if we ever get so connected to somehow we think, oh, it's, it's how we do things that matter. No, no, no. Jesus didn't give us a how. He set us free. He said, listen, you're going to live in different cultures, in different parts of the world, at different times in history, and, and how you need to do this is going to look different. How we minister to our neighbor is going to look different. How we do church is going to look different. All these things are going to change. There is one thing that will not change. The what? I gave you a clear mission. This is what I am calling you to do. You determine how we're going to do this thing. Right? You listen to my spirit. You be led in your context, in your arena, with the people that you're trying to minister to. You allow this thing to, to, to move and, and shape and change based on who it is we're trying to minister to. Unfortunately, though, uh, we in the church, we're not always great at this one. Because we can fall in love with our house. We love our house. I'll give you some examples. We, we can love teaching styles. You know, I, you know, some of us, we fall in love with a, oh, a real preacher is one who's really, real fiery, real Pentecostal kind of preacher. And no, but others of, no, we, no, I like someone who's really a deep, you know, calm presence. You know, that's, that's how I like things to be taught. Or sometimes we can get passionate about a program. You know, like maybe you're, you had your life transformed by a certain program. And we can fall in love with that program. We think that, that that's, how, that's the only way this can be done. That's the, how, that's the how that matters. That's the how that really gets things done. And we forget that, no, no, that was just a way. That's one of the hows. It's not the only how. We can, we can fall in love with, with events. Sometimes we do these in events. You ever been a part of an event and it's a yearly event and it used to be really good and suddenly it's not really good anymore but we just keep doing it because we've always done it? Once upon a time it was a really effective how but it stopped being an effective how 10 years ago but we just keep doing it that way because that's how we like it. Sometimes it can be our... Uh, our uh, discipleship styles. Some people are really passionate. It's, I love small groups. Small groups, that's the way that we really have discipleship. Or, uh, no, it's Sunday school or it's classes or it's this or it's that, whatever. We can fall in love with our how and we forget. No, those are just a means to an end. Those are not the end. They're a means, right? And then here's one that's real touchy because I was the worship guy, so I know what I, I've experienced this before. Musical styles, right? The how of a musical styles. There, you know, we like uh, people playing certain types of music, uh, certain instruments we like, or certain instruments that we don't like, and that's great. We all have preferences. We all got. I was raised in the nine in the nineties. That was my formative years. Okay, I was born in eighty two, but my formative spiritual years. And I came to faith, and like my faith came alive back singing like in the secret, in the quiet place. How I many remember that song? You like that song? Okay, shout to the Lord. That was one of those songs. Like. Like, that's still, like I hear that song, it still stirs me because it takes me back to that moment when my faith became real, all right? Right? And we can all do that. 
a certain style of music, a certain instrument. Some of you came to faith with a certain instrument playing. And so when you hear that, that stirs in you. That's awesome. I love that. But can we recognize that that is not the what? That's merely a how? If all we did was, well, yeah, we always have to play 90s worship songs around here because that's, that's the how that stirs my soul, okay? Then we're in trouble because our world changes. And that doesn't have, it's okay to love those things. I love certain things. There's certain ways of ministering that I love. There are certain strategies that I love because they mean something to me. But hear this, if we ever fall in love with a how to the expense of the what, we have gotten off track. We've missed it somewhere. It's great. There's nostalgia sometimes for a how. We get it. Oh, man, I love it. Oh, it just makes me feel good when we do it this way. I get it. I've been in the church for my whole life. There's certain hows that I miss. I'm going to be honest. But you know what? I'm more committed to the mission than the strategies. Strategies are going to change. That's just how life goes. If we're really sold out to a mission, the strategies better change. Because the world's changing. So they better change. Otherwise, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on what God wants to do in and through us. This happened to me. uh, I can tell this story because I'm in a new church now. I've been holding on to this one for a while. So this happened to me a few years ago. I told you I was the worship guy, right? So a few years ago, we had, uh, it was the Sunday after Easter. And I was having a conversation with somebody in the church and they, uh, and I saw him and said, hey, how was your Easter? You have a good Easter? And the response was, wasn't much of an Easter. And I said, wasn't much of an Easter? And I, I think I had a great Easter in a church. We had an amazing, it was a more, we had more attended Easter services than ever before in the history of the church. And we saw a bunch of people come to faith in Christ. And we saw all these new visitors show up. I'm like, we had an awesome Easter around here. And, and the response, and again, don't get mad at me for saying this was the response. I don't know how you can have Easter without singing Christ the Lord is risen today. And I said, okay. So let's stop for a minute. I love Christ the Lord is risen today. It's a great song. It was written by Charles Wesley in 1739, in case you didn't know that. It's a great hymn. Love that hymn. But in the moment, I was a little weak. I'm, I'm far more mature these days. But in the moment, I was a little weak. In my response, she said, how can we do that? I, I said, huh. I wonder how they celebrated the resurrection for the first 1,700 years of Christianity. (laughs) I am far more mature now, so don't worry. I have grown up since then. I have learned to keep my mouth shut, okay? And again, hear me. I love Christ the Lord is risen today. It's a great song. But can you recognize the person had gotten wrapped up in a how and forgotten the what? The what was not sing Christ the Lord is risen today. The what is celebrate a resurrected Savior. That's the what. How we do it is going to change. And it better change because our world is going to change. All right? All right. Sorry, I got a little fighter up there. Right, I grew up listening to music on something that looked like this. How many of you were raised on a, on a cassette player? How many of you were raised on a cassette player? Okay, that was it. I was born in 82, so like cassettes were king. It was super cool. If you don't know what a cassette is, it's this tape. It has music on it. You listen to half of the album, then you turn it over. Right? And if you need to find one song, good luck. Fast forward, rewind, keep doing this. 
so you can find the right song. You know what I'm talking about, okay? <sighs> Drive you crazy, you know? Go crazy trying to find a song. Okay, so this is a cassette tape. So I was raised, listen to this. How many of you were raised on a record player? Anybody raised on a record player? Somebody raised on a record player? How many of you were raised on an 8-track? Anybody raised on that? A couple of you, okay? And then the young ones were raised on CDs probably. How many of you raised on a CD? That's, a, that's what you were raised on, okay? And then the real young ones are like, what are those things? An MP3, that's all there is. Just digital music, stream it, whatever. Okay, raise on those things. If, here's the deal. If I wanted someone to hear some music, you know what I wouldn't do today? I wouldn't give them a cassette tape. Why? First off, I don't have a cassette tape. <laughs> but secondly, they probably don't have a cassette tape player even. Like, I don't even have a cassette player in my, in my house anymore, right? So if I wanted to give them this music, if I wanted them to be able to hear something, what would I do? I'd probably find something that they can connect with, that, that would resonate with them, right? The same thing would be if, if you had a record of something. You know, I want somebody to hear it. Well, they don't have a record. I got to get it to them in a way that they can connect with. You get what I'm saying here? This is the big so what. We always say, what's the point of this thing? Here's the big so what for this morning. It's not about the cassette player. It's about the music. It's not about the cassette player. It's about the music. See, I can, I can fall in love with a cassette player because I've got nostalgic memories of a cassette player and how meaningful a cassette player was once upon a time because it, it was so great. But at the end of the day, is that what matters? No, it's the music. It's the music that matters. It's the music that makes the difference. That's what I want people to hear. And, and it's not about the cassette player. It's not about the record player. It's not about the MP3 player, the CD. It's not about any of those things. It's about the music we can't fall in love with our cassette players. We can't fall in love with our record players because there is something more important that we're trying to convey. And the vehicle, the how, does not matter nearly as much as the what we're trying to convey. And that's why I've said this around here. I've said it already. We are gospel-centered around here, okay? We are gospel-centered. We are not preaching-centered. We are not style-centered. We are not program-centered. We are not preference-centered. We are gospel-centered. We are grounded on the thing that will never change. The mission of this place will never change. Everything else changes. That will not change. Do you hear me? Okay? And if we have to be sold out to this mission, because if we get off track, if we make other things, we make the hows more important, we will miss the point of this thing. Because how we do things must change because our world is changing. So hear this. The programs may change at times. The style may change at times. The music may change at times. The carpet may change. Dear God, let the carpet with the stains change someday. It will change. All of these things may change someday. One thing will never change. It is the gospel. It is Jesus. It is the rock of our salvation. It is Christ. It is the immovable, unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what never changed. The mission is clear. And how we do it, that's not what matters most. We make a decision about how so that we can reach people who are far from God. So that we can go after the one like Jesus did. To say, God, my heart, you know what? I love my how. And we all, all of us have a different answer to that question. We all like something different in our gatherings. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, we better be passionate about the what far more than the how. 
to say, God, I'm gonna let go of my how for the what. That's what he's called us to. My prayer is that we as a church would, would just do what God has asked us to do, that we would say, God, I'm, I'm willing to give up my rights. It's what it means to come to Christ anyway, right? So God, I give up my rights. I'm not gonna do things my way. God, I'm gonna take on what you want. And my prayer is that all of us would have ears open to the Holy Spirit to say, God, what do you wanna do? How do you want us to do it? And we'll do it that way. There's a church that I heard about, and I'm closing with this, that uh, there's a church I heard about a couple years ago. And there was about 15 to 18 members left in this church. And it was a local church, actually, and they had a building. Had one of these beautiful uh, cathedral-type type buildings. And the church had dwindled. Once upon a time, it was this great, large gathering, and it had dwindled down to 15 or 18 people. And uh, they kept doing things the way they had always done them, how the hows hadn't changed, and obviously people had voted with their feet and nobody was engaging anymore. They weren't reaching anymore. But they had an endowment for the building. And they knew that they had about 15 years left of money that could keep things just going the way they were doing it. So they were left with a choice. Are they going to say, okay, we need to make a change so that we can actually accomplish the mission or are we going to commit to how we're doing things and just kind of live off the money? And they said to themselves, you know what? Us 15, 18, we'd rather just kind of milk off that endowment for the next 15 years and then maybe most of us won't be around anymore and the bank will take the building. Dear God, let that never be us. That we would be so passionate about how we do things that we would say, God, I don't really give a rip about the mission you've given us. Don't care about it at all. I just want to do things my way. God, would you break our hearts? I pray that for my own life. God, would you break my heart if I ever care that much about the how and I don't care about what you've called me to? God, give me a tender heart to you. God, may I be in a position of surrender to say, God, I, sur I submit myself to you completely. God, I don't want it my way. I want it your way. Would we be that kind of a church? Because I believe if we could all have that same heart, say, God, we lay our rights down. We surrender to you completely. Man, God could do amazing things through us, through this body, through surrendered lives like that. All right? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you're inviting us into something that is so much better than just the way it's always been done. You are inviting us to follow after you, to seek after you. You're inviting us in to reaching people who are far from you, to, to seeing lost souls saved by your grace. You invite us into this story called the gospel and we get to play parts that matter and we thank you for that, God. God, we admit that sometimes we hold on to our things more than your things, Lord. So God, we, we just come this morning and we, we just say, God, we surrender to you. We surrender to you.